All right, well, I'm excited about today and this period in the uh, life of our church, and God's doing some great things. Today we're going to uh, uh, have a meeting with, uh, I think we're up to 29 people who have committed to, uh, to spend an hour a week uh, for us to, together, uh, one-on-one with me and and the Lord, or one on two, with me and the Holy Spirit, trying to press into some things that we've uh, felt like God has spoken for us to do, but we haven't yet made the transition into our lifestyle. And so everything's based on that. You know, if we just sit, sit around and, and uh, talk about uh, different religious philosophies or ideas or theological concepts or doctrines, that's not life-changing. It's not, it's not life-changing until God takes that by his Holy Spirit and applies it to our life and we begin to put it into practice. And so practice is where we come to know God by experience. You can come to know God academically through study and rigor uh, and being in church and uh, you know, going to life group and studying together. But when it makes a transition from that into real heartfelt love for God, a depth of love for him that's ever-increasing, through every experience that you have with God, or a deepening faith. It's not something we can just make ourselves have more of. All of that is a result of us abiding in Christ, which is just simply obeying what he says. And so God's already told us as a church to do three things uh, categorically, a lot of individual things, obviously, but three things. One is to abide in him, and we've talked about that. It's being obedient to God in a way that Uh, allows him to, by his own sovereign will, not because he is dependent on us, but because he has chosen to allow us to be involved, that when we obey, he does God-exclusive things in our life. We're going to hear some stories about that today. Uh, He does God-exclusive things in our lives, and then we come to know him through that uh, in a way that nobody can take it away from us. It's more than academic. It's something that may even actually redefine in some ways what we've always believed theologically, like the disciples had as they walked with Jesus through life. And he redefines what Sabbath means, and he redefines what, uh, what it means to be a disciple. And so all these different things that he redefines and who God is in their mind begins to blow up. We want that. We need that. It's what God created us for, but we're missing it. And so I'm going to press in with these now 28 people. And I have nothing to give you in the way or desire to give you in the way of more doctrine, more theology. Uh, I have only stories to tell of my own life of failures and successes and how God has helped me to learn how to abide and to be faithful to that and addicted to that. Okay, so there's a heart change has happened for me that I desire to happen for you. Then to bless people, that is to, to, to get some people that are recognize those people around you that are either lost or wandering. They don't know the Lord at all or they're, they know the Lord and they're out there trying to find the something more that they know exists uh, beyond what they've been experiencing in church. And so we're, we are blessing people and bless means we begin with prayer, listen to them, eat with them, serve them, and then share our story or the gospel with them. And so I'm, we're going to press into that. So those that meet with me, we're going to be talking about that. Um, and, and helping you to get beyond just the knowledge of that really cool acrostic, right, into some actual application. And God's going to change us through that. I'm confident of that. He'll change our whole church through the 28 of you committing to that. And then 
And then our, our last thing is committing to community. We, you know, we are, we go, we go to church when we want to. We go to life group when we want to. We know the significance of it. We've been studying the book of Acts with this specific thing in mind, that the Acts church is a, is a Holy Spirit, a pure uh, church that's being led by the Holy Spirit, that's just following Jesus day in and day out, and all of a sudden everything is changing. The church, the whole church, everybody's actions are changing. They're being drawn to each other. They're being drawn to give their possessions away and to, to do community with one another in a way that never existed before and pretty much has never existed since because we have lost the focus of what it means to commit to community. So we've asked our whole, all, everyone in here understands what it means to commit to community because we've been studying it since January, first Sunday in January. This whole year we've been talking about what it means to be a community, a biblical community. So we're going to press into that. Uh, we're going to, our whole goal is to get all the excuses out of the way so that we can begin to actually press into that. So I'm excited about these 28 now and hopefully another uh, 28, 30 uh, after this group goes through uh, that we can do that together and continue to, to press in and help each other to press into the things that God's told us to do. Because that's how we come to know him as a church, and that's how the community is going to come to know him, is our being obedient to what he said. So I love what we did today. I love the worship was fantastic. It was all about the sovereignty of God and the fact that God is with us, and, he's, and God is really, his purposes haven't changed for us. He is, he's moving in us, and he's among us. But here's the problem for us. The problem is that even though God is among us, in the same way that he was among the, the disciples, these new disciples, in the book of Acts, in that community, he is in this community moving and working. The same Holy Spirit is present. The same Holy Spirit is doing some of the same things. Definitely, we're going to begin to see patterns in the book of Acts. Today, we'll see a very clear pattern of how the Holy Spirit works in multiplication. But even though he's here, we're still not engaging. All right? So everybody check up. Ready? Y'all with me? Everybody alert? All right, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Here you go. I really believe this this morning. I believe that Satan has come in today with, uh, on, around us, and he has tempted us and been successful in getting our, our minds to be distracted during worship. It started with the worship team, and it moved out into the congregation. I think we were distracted. How much did you engage this morning, really, in what you sang to the Lord? Now, I'm, this is not an indictment on anybody. It's an indictment on everybody. It's so easy. Even though God is present, he's here, he's in us, he's working, he's moving, that our minds get distracted. Numerous times this morning as I was worshiping, I got distracted. My mind went off to think about something else. I can't even stay focused for 30, 30 minutes or however long you sang, 20 minutes. I can't even stay focused on the Lord for that short period of time to talk to him, to sing to him. That's a hard problem. It's not, it's not just a, it's not a focus problem. It's a hard problem because you focus on the things that your hearts are engaged with. I challenge the worship team every Sunday to, to, and pray that God would let their minds' attention and their heart's affection be, be toward him. But it's so easy to see the distraction. Matter of fact, I was distracted by some of their distraction this morning. And again, it's not an indictment on the worship team, man. It's their goal to do this. It's my goal to do this, but we are constantly defeated. 
That's just, that's just to say, Satan is among us. He is working. He is doing everything he can in this congregation to stop us from experiencing and knowing God in a way that will totally grab our hearts and totally motivate us to where our worship is true, our, you know, our, our experiences with God are filling our hearts with love for him and a, and a deeper faith to trust him and walk with him, and we need that. Would you all agree? If so, say, oh, yeah. All right, we need that, and this town needs that. We need to break out of this old mold that we're still in, this, that we're stuck in, this, this religious mold that says as long as we show up in the building, everything's good. We've done what we need to do. God's pleased. And we look religious and spiritual. Nah, we don't. Your pastor's sitting here on the second row, can't stay focused for worship. And I got my hand raised. You know, I raised my hand because I finally got focused for just a few minutes. And I was immediately, my heart was filled with desire to worship God. You know, so let's press in, church. Y'all with me? We need to press in. We need to be this church so that the people around here cannot see a church so that they can see the God, a God that's worth worshiping and loving and, and who's desirable, and he is. We don't have to sell that point. We just need to know him. The more we know him, the more that's going to happen. So there's a, a little shift that's fixing to happen in our focus in the book of Acts. So we've been talking about what it means to be a community that blesses. Particularly, we've been talking about what it means to be a community, a biblical community, all right? And it's beautiful, this pure community, this community in its, in its virgin form that doesn't know how to live life with the Holy Spirit. It's a brand new experience, and they're learning how to walk in the Holy Spirit. So in many ways, that's the best place for us to go, is to just start over. What if we could just erase everything and just be a pure Holy Spirit-filled community. This is what it looks like. And so we're seeing the Holy Spirit doing things in the lives of believers that, that is exactly the same as what Jesus did when he was with the disciples. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit is exactly the same as Jesus. Right? And so you don't, you're not going to see anything different uh, than what Jesus did if, if people are claiming that it's, it's God. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus is consistent. <laughs> You know, he's constant. He's faithful. He never changes, the Bible says. And so we see these things happening. And now we're coming to a point where we're going to, today we're going to start off by taking a look at a story that's going to give us a couple of views about how we're going to move forward as a church. And I'm going to plug in, and you're going to hear a testimony this morning uh, about how God is doing this right now in our church. Remember when we started this study, we God kept pressing into me, giving me the same word over and over again. I gave it to you Sunday after Sunday for the first few weeks uh, that said that, that I want to remind you that this is something that God has said is, is very purposeful and very timely for our church. That it's purposeful in the sense that God has something he wants to do through this study. It's not just a study. It is something God wants to There's a purpose behind it. Now, whether you grab the hold of the truths that you're going to need for us to move forward together, I don't know. But, it, it, you know, God reminded us multiple times in the beginning, this is purposeful. And then also that it's timely, that God's doing something now. That it's not time, this is not another, we're not going to have another year to start wondering, do we really want to be what God wants us to be? Right now, right now, today, this week, this last two weeks, there's been some, some movement of, of God in the life of this body and around us where he is inviting us to be involved in something that we should be ready for. And I hope we are. All right, so today we're seeing a transition. We see a transition in the book of Acts. We've seen this constant movement 
these new discoveries by experience of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers, and we're seeing them drawn together in unity and doing weird stuff that they never did before because the Holy Spirit is having his, they are surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And we've learned and talked about what that looks like. But now we're going to see the church moving outside of its four walls getting outside of, the, of Jerusalem and the surrounding communities and moving out into the world. And, and the church, the purpose that we're about to see unfold in the rest of the book of Acts is the church being multiplied. The church is being multiplied. Now today we're going to see, a, 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 again, quickly we're going to take a look at how the Holy Spirit moves in the same way in this story that he did with the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Because the Holy Spirit never changes. He always works the same way. And it's going to be, hopefully, for you, encouraging about the way we do evangelism at the gathering place. We don't do evangelism. We are evangelism, right? Our blessed acrostic, being out, building relationships, and loving people into the kingdom of God. Is, it, we, and waiting on the Holy Spirit to do it all. Not taking the reins ourselves and going to make something happen. But just following the leadership of the Holy Spirit in the relationships that he gives us. And waiting on the Holy Spirit. As we saw with Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, we're going to see it again today. But there's another part of this story. Another part of this story that gives us the title today. It's, I don't remember what it is. Community multiplication. Community multiplied. No, that's all right. Going back. Yeah. <laughs> Community multiplied. All right. Continuing that idea uh, that we've started over the last two weeks. But particularly the messenger. God is working right now in you guys. He's doing his work, and that's why it's so important that we plug into what God's doing in your life because this community, if it's going to be multiplied, there needs to be messengers that come out of this community and go into the the community here, the world around where you work, and in some cases out to other cities, other towns, other countries, wherever God would have us. But he has to prepare the messenger, and so that's the the uniqueness of the story today. So this is the story of Cornelius the centurion and Peter, and the change that God does in their lives as he brings a centurion, a a Gentile, a pure Gentile, not a Samaritan that's half and half, but a pure Gentile, as he brings this Gentile into the kingdom and changes Peter, the messenger. All right, so here we go. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8 is where we'll start. Excuse me. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. Now, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, uh, in a vision, an angel of God come to him, come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now... Send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angels who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, all right, here we go. We're beginning to see that the Holy Spirit's work in last week and this week's, uh, last week and week before's message, uh, the Holy Spirit's work is, is beginning to move the people outside. But also, in this story, and in other stories that we see in, in the book of Acts, 
we're going to see this pattern. We're going to notice some patterns, some predictable patterns in the way that the Holy Spirit works, which is great. It's a good way for us to recognize sometimes whether something is from the Holy Spirit or not. And in the, in the way of evangelism, we're going to see this pattern. Remember Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. First thing that we noticed about Philip, I mean about the eunuch, is that he was seeking God. He had just come from the temple. He was already seeking God. He was giving his best effort to know God. God had already come to him and got him actively seeking. I only have one story like that in my life that I can think of, and that's uh, uh, an Australian basketball player, uh, Clint Tracy, who came to Louisiana College, pushed God away for three and a half years. And in his last semester, he was an atheist, and his family was atheist. He pushed everything away, didn't want to have it, laughed everybody off. And in the last semester, he started seeking God. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He came to my office one day and said, Glenn, I don't understand what's going on in my life. First of all, he showed up at a revival service that I was preaching on campus. And then he came to my office and he said, I don't know what's going on. He said, but I'm changing. He said, I don't want to do the things I used to want to do, and I'm starting to want to. He said, I went to Monday night worship the other night. He gave me this weird look like, can you believe it? And I couldn't. And then I went to the revival service. I said, yeah, I saw you there. He said, I'm, I'm, wanting, to, I'm, I'm wanting to start understanding God. He, and he told me his past, his atheist past. And his parents told him, you know, we're sorry for you to go to this college, but don't drink the Kool-Aid. And he says, all of a sudden, I don't know what's going on. Man, that's what happens. It's a, it's a pattern. You can see this with the Holy Spirit because the Scripture says that, you know, Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Spirit draws them. In John chapter 15, Jesus told the disciples, he said that, that the Holy Spirit will testify of me, and you also must testify. So the Spirit's already out there testifying, apart from us, and then with us later if we want to be involved. We need to remember that. Okay, here it is again. He's seeking God already. Now let's see what happens next, verse 19 through 21. Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? So, all right, look, the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter. So the Holy Spirit's already working and speaking in the life of, of a, a non-believer who is seeking him, but he's, he's, he draws him, and then he's, I didn't say that. Maybe I'm going to say it later. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. I will. Get my order here, because I'm, t- I'm doing it out of order for a reason. Okay, so here's what happens. So he draws, he draws, uh, the, 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 he draws the centurion like he did the, the eunuch, draws him in, and then he gives Peter a word just like he did Philip. Remember, he told Philip to go out in the wilderness. It was weird. He told him to do something strange. Uh, but he, he spoke to Philip, and he speaks here to Peter, and he speaks to us. You can count on that. If you're, if you're abiding in Christ, you can count on the fact that God is going to speak to you when it's time for you to speak. Wait on it. Rest in that. There's a pattern here. And I think the problem is when we get outside of the pattern of the Holy Spirit, then we start trying to make things happen, then, then it messes everything up. Would you all agree with that? All right? So just wait on the Holy Spirit. Go when he tells you to go. The Holy Spirit will lead uh, those who want to be led, and he will lead us uh, to them. All right, verse 22 and 23. And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. 
So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. All right, once again, the Holy Spirit not only speaks to Peter, but he sends him to an unexpected place. With Philip, he sends him out into the wilderness where there's nobody, right? He sends him out in the wilderness, but, but Philip is willing to be obedient. And the same thing here. Peter, is, he gets up and he goes with them. And so again, man, I just want to say again, away from home, church, to an unexpected place, in a place where you work, where you think nobody wants to hear the gospel, again, the Holy Spirit breaks down those walls. He, he brings us into places where he's ready to work, and he doesn't need our opinion, and he doesn't need our help, and he doesn't need you to, to, to think that it's going to work. He just needs you to be obedient, right? A pattern. Y'all see the pattern with Philip? And now here's with Peter. He sends it to an unexpected location. I just want to encourage you in this. We're going to hear testimony today, and I'm going to tell some stories about what's going on with our church right now, how God is opening doors in unexpected places. It's not places we were looking to go. It's not places we would have expected to go, and yet we're about to start moving into some places, and God's preparing some of you, and you're going to need to ask yourself if you're that one here shortly. God's preparing some of you to be the messenger so that this community can be multiplied. All right, so, so tune in. All right, verse 25 to 27. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. All right, so again, the Holy Spirit. Remember with Philip. When Philip went to the Ethiopian eunuch and he said, You understand what you're reading? And he invited him up into his chariot. Remember that? How strange that was? This is even more strange. All right? This is, this is a Gentile. It's illegal for Peter to do what he's doing. You're going to hear that later. And yet, these, these Gentiles invite him in and receive him warmly. Okay? The Holy Spirit does that. Quit worrying about how people are going to receive your message. When God says to, to share the message, it's always going to be true that the Holy Spirit is already working. Now, you're not always going to receive a warm welcome necessarily, but I'm seeing a pattern here that eventually maybe you will receive a warm welcome if you just do it when God says do it, right? Move with the Holy Spirit, not against Him, not before Him, not around Him. So the Holy Spirit led His messengers uh, to a place, and they received Him warmly. All right, look at 34 and 43, through 43. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. This is key. But in every nation, anyone who fears him does not, uh, or does, and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea. Beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and with power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge 
of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. All right, again, the Holy Spirit does the same thing here that he did with Philip. God provided an opportunity. He opened up the moment. And then what does Peter do? He shares the gospel. He shares the whole gospel message. It's not enough for us to get, for God to give us favor with people and us to build relationships with people and not be watching for that moment when God opens the door. And then it's time. It's time to share the gospel. It's time to open up the truth of the gospel. And all of it is here in this passage, that we were sinners separated from God, that Jesus came and he's been anointed by the Holy Spirit with power to take care of our sins, to remove our sins, and that anyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. It doesn't matter how bad you are. Man, what a great testimony. But he shares the gospel. It's always, always going to be the will of the Holy Spirit at some point for us to get to the last S in bless, right? Share our story. Share the gospel with people. Then look at verses 44 through 48. We see the results. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked him to remain for some days. All right, so right now, just in this aspect, before we break into the messenger, I just want to make this final point. Again, people responded to the gospel. They received the Holy Spirit. They were baptized immediately. And, they, and then they asked him to stay for a while so that they could build community together because that's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and changes a life. When the Spirit fills somebody, they immediately want to be connected to community. And we can't get away from that. Uh, everything we've read in the book of Acts says that if a person received the Holy Spirit, if they truly were saved, then, then they clung to each other, that they began to be in community, not in a half-hearted kind of, I don't, I'm not sure about this way, but in a way that immediately they began to give their possessions to the poor or to each other. They shared everything in common, even new believers. Remember the 5,000 after Peter and John healed the man at the gate beautiful, and they were put in prison, and 5,000 men, not including women and children, put their faith in Christ. And then the Scripture says, I think it's in four, chapter 4, verse 32, that, that all those who believed began to share their possessions with everybody as they had need. Community is a result of the Holy Spirit. We think it's an option. It's, I mean, and it is. It's an option. Do you really... Are you really going to walk in the Holy Spirit or not? That's the option. Because when you walk in the Holy Spirit, community happens. It just happens. You don't have to make it happen. So the Holy Spirit has established a pattern. Okay, y'all see it? Y'all see the pattern? Remember our story? I'm trying to bring back what we've already seen. And, and we can, we're not going to do this again. Okay, there's some scriptures that we're going to skip in the book of Acts. That's just going to be repeats. But I just want to let you know, as you read through the rest of the book of Acts, you need to read it with this in mind. There are patterns in the way the Holy Spirit works, because He is consistent. He knows how to make it work. So He's going to do the same things over and over again. He's established a pattern. He's always going to work that way. Watch for it. All right? Now, there's a new lesson that we need to draw from the text today, and it's the main focus of our, of our message. It's 
not going to take long, but it's the main focus of our message. It's the something different that we need to hear today, and that is this idea of multiplication or multiply community and the changing of the messenger. That God has changed the messenger in this story. Look at it in verses 9 through 19. We're going back. This is the part we skipped. All right, chapter 10, verses 9 through 19. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter, this is all before he met Cornelius, okay, so back up. Reverse, okay? Forget that he met Cornelius. Want to make a new point. As they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. It really makes Gareth mad whenever I go backwards and skip parts. He really gets irritated. Um, So he goes up to the sixth hour to pray again. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once into heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what this vision that he had, uh, that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering this vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. All right, skip down to verse 28 and 29. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit any one of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person uncommon or common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Listen, church. For our community, for any community to multiply into the places that God would have it go or have us go, the messenger needs to change. If God is going to move us outside of where we are into some place where we're not, consistently we're going to see this happen in Scripture. If Peter is very committed to the Lord, he is one of the disciples. He is the main man. He's the one that preached at Pentecost when the 3,000 were saved. He is the man leading the movement in the book of Acts prior to Paul's conversion. And Peter had to be changed to take the gospel somewhere else. How did it happen? And how will it happen for us? First of all, it happened in the context of his daily prayer. Write that down. This is your your goal. You want to know how it's going to happen? How's God going to change you? He's going to change you the way he changed Peter. You're committed to the Lord. You're you're dynamically involved in in a church. You're excited about what the Lord's doing. But you know what? If God's going to move you outside of these four walls, into something else, 
and multiply this community in other places, then you need to make sure that you're following this pattern. Peter was, Peter's call, his change began in the context of his daily prayer. Can't say it enough, not going to say it anymore. I mean, I'll say it again, but I'm not going to say it anymore today. We have to, we have to commit to the discipline of daily prayer. Spending time alone with God, hearing his word, talking, communicating with God. Prayer is not one-way communication. It's us speaking and God speaking back and us listening. Then the second thing that happened is the Holy Spirit created a teachable moment. And that's going to happen for you. There's going to be some, some teachable moments that are going to happen as you're either in prayer, speaking to the Lord, or in this case, Peter didn't realize the whole thing that was going on until after he went and the Gentiles received Christ. Then he came to this realization that there's no partiality. He didn't know for sure what was going on. He was just obeying the Lord. But because he obeyed God, the Holy Spirit created a teachable moment. Some of you have not obeyed God in the beginning to go beyond your comfort zone. To go somewhere that God, that you feel like God might be leading you to go, to do something that you feel like God might be leading you to do, and you're missing those teachable moments. doesn't mean you're going to miss them forever. God's still looking for another opportunity. Actually, he knows when that's going to come. He knows you're going to deny it. He knows you're going to miss it. He's going to work you towards it. But here it is. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to create those teachable moments. Third thing for Peter, he took time to ponder his circumstance with an awareness that there was some internal conflict going on. He didn't know exactly what it was. He thought it was about eating food, right? And he certainly wasn't going to eat anything that was common or unclean, right? That was his commitment. As far as he knew, that's what this vision was about. But he pondered it. He pondered it. I love that. It's two different times in this passage where it says that Peter spent time thinking about, wondering. He was pondering this vision that he knew came from God that caused this internal conflict to happen. Y'all with me? Say, oh, yeah. Okay, don't miss this point. Sometimes you don't know what God's doing. You just know there's some internal conflict going on. That happened to me this past week with an issue that, or week, last week with an issue that I knew something was not right. I felt the internal conflict. I read something and God spoke through that, but I didn't have a clear understanding until last week about what I needed to do. And, but I knew that I had this internal conflict going on. And that will happen for you. Wow. The drum team has arrived. For worship. Y'all, y'all know what I'm saying? Have you ever had that? You read something, you know, man, God's trying to do something. I just don't know what it is. Don't disconnect from that. Don't disconnect from it. Continue to ponder that thing, okay? Because Peter, because Peter took the time to ponder those circumstances, uh, he was able to eventually connect the dots, or God connected the dots for him, right? And so we need to stay with God in the process and let him finish that work, all right? Fourth thing, as Peter obeyed the commands of the Holy Spirit, God taught him the lessons that he needed through the experience. You can't take a day off of obedience. You just can't. You know, the longer that you, that you, the more days that you take off of pursuing God's will, paying attention to what he's doing in the moment-by-moment happenings of your day, watching to see how he's clarifying things. The the times that you take off, you're just extending that whole process again. 
I think what happens is sometimes God sets it all up, and he knows you're going to, again, he, it's God's sovereign. He knows what you're going to do, but he sets it all up, and, and you're there, and you have that internal conflict, and you, you've been with God, and he spoke, and you, you know something's going on. You're trying to figure out what it is, and then Satan comes in immediately and gets your mind on something else, and then you totally focus on something else. And, and you forget about this, and then God has to, by his plan, he has to come back and start over again with some other, other experience, and then you've delayed that whole process. Rather than just walking with God through it, and then you're going to learn something. You're going to learn you never need to walk in a, never need to be in a place where you're not listening for what God desires for you. Doesn't mean you're always going to obey, but at least where you're listening and paying attention. But it was as Peter obeyed the commands of the Spirit that God taught him the lessons. He didn't know where he was going, but there was a lesson there that God wanted to teach him. Abraham, there was a lesson there. He didn't question God as to what are you doing by telling me to take Isaac up and offer him as a sacrifice. He didn't ask that. He just did it. Abraham also left his home country not knowing where he was going. He just did it because of his relationship with God. And then God defines all of that as he walks with God. Moses had no clue what all God was going to do through his life. He just obeyed one step at a time, one step at a time, and knew that the conflict would ultimately be resolved. It would all make sense. I've had experiences like that in my life where I've been what I literally felt like was literal hell in a situation, and I stayed there for years working as God told me to stay in that position, knowing there was something more going on. Now I know, but it took years after that to... Well, it didn't take a long time after I got out of that situation, but I had to stay there in that situation to let God work in me, and thankfully, he showed me at one point what that was about. Just let God, just stay moment by moment connected to God, obey him, because it's in the obedience that we're going to learn the lessons that God has for us. So, what truths can we pull out of this for ourselves? Number one, there's no place that the gospel community won't multiply. Peter and all those Jews that were with him had no clue what they were fixing to experience. But they learned by experience through obedience that God's gospel message would go anywhere and everywhere. That in the most unlikely places, this is the most unlikely place. The Samaritans were bad, but they were half Jews, half Gentiles. This is pure Gentiles. And the Gentiles don't, they didn't even preach to the Gentiles. And now God is moving them to the Gentiles. And Peter needs to know that. He needs to know that. He needs to have that. He has to have that change going about in him as a messenger of the gospel. If he doesn't have that change, then there are places he won't go. So God takes the time and he changes him and makes him realize there's no place that the gospel community won't multiply. Do you need to know that? You need that change today to know that there's no place, there's no workplace, there's no neighborhood, there's no town or village, there's no country. We have a missionary in Turkey who is struggling every day to just live new life with people, and he has two friends that are open to the gospel after four years. But you know what? There is no place. There's no community. No place where the gospel community won't multiply. It will multiply in Turkey with a close where people seem to be close to the gospel and there's only a, a 1% chance or 1% of the population that maybe that believes in Christ. There's no place. If he didn't believe that, he couldn't be a messenger to Turkey, right? 
We need to realize that. There are places here it feels like the gospel will not go, but it will. Number two, there are no people the gospel message won't reach. All are equal. When it comes to the gospel, there are no people that the gospel message will not reach. We've heard tremendous stories. I just shared one of an atheist who came here from Australia and was told not to drink the Kool-Aid of Christianity and went home a believer and a leader. He got another degree in education so he could teach at a Christian school and have influence over little kids in Australia. And he's still rocking it with Jesus. You know, he went there by himself. He didn't have a church surrounding him. But there's no people that the gospel message won't reach. Some of you guys, some of you are the result of somebody who believes that. You wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't know the Lord if someone hadn't said there's no place the gospel message won't reach or no person that the gospel won't reach. Number three, the Holy Spirit has no limitations regarding the person that he inhabits. I have been amazed in my life once I understood this at how the Holy Spirit will take a new believer and use him in ways that a person who's been in the church all their life can't be used. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit can inhabit anybody and will. Any believer is on equal ground regardless of the Holy Spirit, I mean, in regard to the Holy Spirit. There are no limitations to what the Holy Spirit can do with a person in, who's committed to him, who's surrendered to him. It doesn't take long to get surrendered to him. Paul surrendered to him immediately when he was saved. On the road to Damascus, Paul surrendered to him. The Bible says that immediately, when his eyes were opened, immediately he began to preach that Jesus was the Christ in the synagogue. He didn't confer with anybody. He didn't go get training from the apostles in Jerusalem. He had immediately what he needed. And we talk about all this. After years of discipleship, you might be able to actually talk about Jesus. Forget it. And the Holy Spirit will inhabit anybody, and, and you get all of the Holy Spirit when you're saved. And so those friends of yours that you're praying for, man, once they get the Holy Spirit, they got everything they need. They're fixing to start if they really receive the Holy Spirit, which is important, again, that we share according, uh, share as the Holy Spirit leads, then their life is fixing to be radically changed. This whole story in the book of Acts, everything that we're seeing in the book of Acts is done by people who've been saved for a few days. 3,000 at Pentecost. I mean, 120 prior to that, right, in the upper room. But then 3,000 at Pentecost, 5,000 after Peter's and John's testimony. Daily, those that were being added to their number, those that were being saved. These are all brand new Christians who are turning the world upside down. And now they're multiplying. They're fixing to take that community into other places. And that's us. We just need to realize that the Holy Spirit has no limitations regardless of the person that he inhabits. All right, number four. If I will listen... God will prepare me and send me where he desires. If I will listen, God will prepare me and send me where he desires. That's all it takes. Your job is not to try and figure out a place to go. Your job is, not, your job is just to listen. Just pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Do what Paul did. Commit to dis, the discipline of spending time with, I mean, Peter, spending time with the Lord, watching for those teachable moments, being obedient where God uh, t- tells you to do something and watch what he does, and then God will prepare you and send you where he desires. You may not feel prepared, but you are prepared when God sends you, okay? We're going to pray for Sam before he leaves today. Sam's fixing to go to Galena, Alaska and uh, serve with the cops, uh, serve the school up there. Uh, Man, I'm so excited about that opportunity. You know what? 
He's, he, he will tell you that as, as he prayed about this, this is the last thing he ever would have done. It's as far away from what he thought he would do, and he feels totally inadequate. Congratulations, you're prepared. Right? It doesn't, look, listen, if we will listen, God will prepare us, and he will send us, and we will be prepared. He has already prepared Sam for this trip. We don't know what all is going to happen, but we know that God knows what he's doing. All right, number five. God may move me beyond the borders of my comfort zone. He may move me beyond the borders of my comfort zone. Which means, you know, for, for, for Peter, out of Jerusalem, into a, a Gentile-inhabited uh, location, into the house of a Gentile with a bunch of Gentiles hanging around, breaking the law by going to the place that God told him to go. He was very uncomfortable outside his comfort zone. Up to that point, he's a little uncomfortable being in Jerusalem, but man... The, the, the believers were catching on so quickly, and there were so many of them that the religious leaders weren't going to do anything to them. But this is uncomfortable. He's breaking Jewish laws. He's, he's, he's testing the waters, and he's going into a Gentile territory, to the enemy's territory. So be ready. God may send you somewhere that's going to be outside your comfort zone. I, here's, here's what I think is one of the, y'all with me? Last point. Here's what I think is one of our biggest, as a, as a whole, our biggest hindrances is the gathering place. We like being together. We like being in our, in our groups, which is great. God gave us those. We like being in worship together. It's difficult for us to hear God say it's time to move out of this comfort zone into another place. All right, I'm going to ask Ashton Levi to come up. Ashton and Levi have been praying for the last two weeks about something. They've been on a journey, and God's been changing the messengers uh, to get them prepared to go to a new location. So uh, I want you all, if you don't mind, talk up here so we can get this on the podcast. All right, so y'all share with us a little bit uh, what's going on with y'all. Okay. Um, so it was the week before y'all went to Hunters, right? Um, I decided to go up to the Rustin Life Group and uh, just kind of love on them a little bit and... Um, meet everybody. Well, I kind of met them here, but just to get to get to know the, the group a little bit and, uh, and loved it. And when we, when we came back, I just put on my heart that we needed to be praying about Ashley and I need to be praying about Rustin. I wasn't sure in what capacity exactly, but, um, you know, I was pretty excited when I told her about it and she was just like, Oh yeah, okay, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I wasn't excited at all. Actually, I was kind of frustrated. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I wasn't at that time I had no inclination as far as uh what that meant what what um that word that God put on my heart was exactly just to be in prayer about it um and then she went to Honduras uh, everybody went to Honduras and um I decided to go back um and kind of spent the weekend there um and got to know the Buxtons a little bit and the Kimes and some of the other uh uh, people that are up in, in that group and um Again, one, once I got a chance to talk to um, to Ashley, Aaron wouldn't really let me. But um, once once I got the chance, uh, I uh, um, you know was really excited about it. And again, she was just kind of like, "Oh yeah, whatever, we'll go." Um, and uh, and then finally, I think not the next week, but the week after that, right? Yeah, it was once Levi kind of told me. Um, he shared with me that the life group liked what he had to say and that they enjoyed him. And I was like, well, they 
something must have been going on if someone liked you. Just kidding. <laughs> no, because <laughs> he's usually the quiet one at life group and doesn't say much. And so to me, it was really encouraging that a whole group of people just, it, he was encouraging to them. And so that encouraged me to want to go. And so the next week I decided, okay, like, let's go ahead and go to the life group. And we went up there together and I had no intentions of moving at all. I had just gotten comfortable with the idea of staying here and being here for a while. And so I was just like, that probably just means that we'll be going to life group and like getting to know these people. And so when we got there, we just connected immediately and everything in my mind was saying, this is not logical, this isn't smart, it isn't wise, you both have jobs lined up for you here to be able to help you be successful. And everything in my heart and what I was feeling from the Lord was just telling us to go. And I was like, oh God. And so I had to say it, and we were just at Life Group, and I just said, I feel like the Lord is leading us to be a part of this, and I don't know exactly what that is, but I have to say it so it's real. And so we were on our way home, and I was just asking Levi, like, what do you think about it? And he said, I think we're going to move here. And I just felt a mass amount of peace. It, did, it wasn't scary. It it just felt right. Yeah. Um, and then from that point, it was just kind of, I just kind of tested the waters a little bit and, um, you know, started applying for random stuff. And um, and then uh, she had, the job that she had set up here was for a firefighter dispatch position, which mm-hmm. great benefits. I mean, just a really good job for, for the both of us, really. And um, and uh, pretty much had it set up. Her, uh, uh, Danny Higdon, which is her brother-in-law, his father is really high up. In, he's the chief of yeah. police in Alexandria, so he's pretty much going to get the job for yeah. me. Yeah, well, chief, the fire chief of Alexandria. What did yeah. I say? Chief of police. Oh, whatever, um, fire police. And so he's, he said, as soon as, you, as soon as you take the test, as soon as you um, apply and take the test and get your results back, you pretty much got the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were excited about that, and then when she went and turned in all of her stuff, she accidentally applied for the uh, police dispatcher instead of firefighter dispatcher. Yes. And so... Um, Different test, everything. I mean, it was, so it was kind of like, a, what are we, what are we gonna do? You know, what are we supposed to do? And then this happened, and um, one of her best friend's brothers uh, actually works for the Ruston Police Department, and said that there's a position okay. opening up in police dis- dispatch, mm-hmm. which apparently is pretty rare because it's such a, I mean, it's a pretty good job. Um, and so we, I mean, we kind of got all that together, and um, one of the, the one of the ladies that goes to the um, life group is Courtney Kime, and she's the uh, the mayor's... Right-hand woman, basically knows the, the chief yeah. of police and so, very and well. And she was like, well, as soon as, as, soon as all, that, all that's done, we'll try to fast-track that and yeah. get you that job as soon as possible. And and so from that point, it was, uh, where are we going to live? Um, what am I going to do? Am I going to go back to school? What you know, What's going to happen? And, How are we um, going to save money? Yeah. How are we going to get there? Yeah, and so just this past week, we... Um, we went up there, and actually, I wasn't sitting with her, so you should go ahead and tell well, the first, party. Yeah, so we the whole week, we've been looking for a place to live, and everything was falling through. Like, 
everything was either too expensive in a really awful neighborhood or they wouldn't accept pets and so we're like we have no idea how this is going to happen and so I kind of knew the way we were going to get there is either we we're going to get a lot of money randomly <laughs> which I didn't see happening or someone was going to ask us to live with them and going up there this past Thursday I had every intention of somehow just basically being like can we live with somebody <laughs> like because I knew there was just no way for us to get there we're not in a position where we can save money because I'm the only one with income and it's all going towards bills and so we're like but how do we just ask that hey can I come and stay with you for a while and so um I was sitting down eating dinner with Beth Soul's mom and um out of nowhere she's just like hey I know that Levi had said that he, y'all are looking for a place to stay, but you weren't here last time. I just want to let you know, like, I have a four-bedroom house. I'm the only one here, so I'd love to have you guys come and live with us, live with me. And I was like, are you serious? And so it was just like a answered prayer immediately. And so we're we're gonna be staying with Beth and until we, you know, are on our feet and have jobs and are able to get a home, but. The Lord just has been constantly providing and has made it clear that we need to move now and not wait. And, and so that was that was one of the big things, too, is just after we had decided that this was going to happen, um, we, uh, we had just had a, a good bit of people say, oh, yeah, you need to wait for a job. You need to wait for you to find a, find a place to live, which happened, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the big, the big thing was you got to wait until you have jobs yeah. um, to move, and 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 then you know then everything will work out once you have once you have jobs, yeah. and uh, and so it was one of those things where we were like, well, maybe we do need to wait until we have mm-hmm. um, you know something set up for the both of us to get money, and um, and then that morning, Glenn was just like, man, I think you should go read, uh, uh, <laughs> at most, yeah. And, and so, so I was like, okay. Yeah. And, and so he, this which is what it said. I didn't know that he had already read it. And I send these things to him all the time. Like, did you read Utmost this morning? I'll read it later. And so <laughs> I read it. It was like in the afternoon. But this is just the part that really stood out to us. It says, when Jesus drives something home to you through his word, don't try to evade it. If you do, you will become a religious imposter. Examine the things you tend to simply shrug your shoulders about and where you have refused to be obedient, and you will know why you are not growing spiritually. As Jesus said, first, go. Even at the risk of being thought of as fanatical, you must obey what God tells you. And I texted him, I was like, have you read Utmost? What the heck? And he was like, yeah, I sent it to somebody. <laughs> I'm not naming names. <laughs> but it was just to someone who had been like, oh, you should wait shouldn't really do it yet and he was like yeah I read it and I sent it to that person yeah and and then they were <laughs> extremely encouraging to us and so but uh so all that <laughs> I guess all that being said um Ashley put in her I put two in weeks, my two weeks month, Friday or Friday yeah. mm-hmm. and so as soon as she's done with that we're gonna be moving the up there and, yeah. yep but the coolest thing honestly and I was I got to talk to my mom about it yesterday um you know because she's worried just because this isn't logical like most responsible people would wait for a job we're not responsible (laughs) um but you know like even though God has clearly shown us multiple times through scripture and just physical signs literally um the 
biggest confidence that I have is just the peace that God has given me because I'm one of the biggest warriors and it's just always been who I am. I get it from my mother and normally something like this would completely freak me out. Like, why don't we have a job? We need a place to live. Like, this isn't responsible. This isn't logical. We shouldn't do this. But as soon as we made the decision to move, I just had a complete peace about it. And I think that that's honestly the most promising thing to me is that the Lord was able to give me that. And um, so, yeah, we'll be heading out in a couple weeks. All right. Thank y'all. I got a couple other things to say. Isn't that awesome? All right. All right. That's that's just one. That's one thing that I know. I know we're out of time, but I just let me share these these two quick stories. That's one thing that's been going on at the time that we're talking about multiplying community. And today, I wanted that story because this message is about about the messenger. God had to change the messenger. Okay, he had to change Ashley particularly, because Levi was pretty much on board the first time he went. But he had to change him th- there too. He had to go, and when he went, he discovered it, right? All these principles we just talked about happened for them. Okay, and, and it happens all the time. So on top of that, we t- I talked about Honduras a few weeks ago and how God's opening doors there. Well, the elders voted this week that we would commit to giving $600 a month to, um, to Dario, who's, who's our... Uh, person on the ground, the pastor that we are trying to encourage to start training pastors who's been doing these mission trips for years uh, and been paid by another organization. Now they have taken out his funding. We were a godsend for him when we went there and were able to provide some some income for him. But also we've been praying about, do we continue to do it? Yes, we do. So we made a commitment to do that. Already, already, listen church, already, I had a random couple that I was telling this story just today. asked how the Honduras went. They're not in our church, but they're just friends of ours. And they said, we want to give $200 a month to that. A month to that. Uh, we have another source of income of $300 a month that, started, that hasn't started yet. It's going to start next month. $300 a month, a source of income for this, that's coming into the church. Totally apart from what we've been doing with tithes and offerings, all that stuff, $300 a month is going to come in. And then a $100 insurance difference that's already probably, I don't know if it's going to be a month, but a $100 difference. Yeah, in case everybody didn't figure that out. He does it up. The Buddha can tell you, story after story after story is our financial secretary. She can tell you how that happens. It happens all the time. All right, God is just waiting for somebody to hear his voice and obey what he says. But it's multiplication. Literally, church, listen, literally, there are 50 different pastors that we have ministered to in Honduras. That's 50 gathering place churches in Honduras that, are, that sit under our teaching when we go. And the, the guy that's over them that we're going to be supporting has received everything that I've taught. He knows about abiding. He knows about the grace of God the way we know about it. He just sent us an email a few weeks ago about a change that he's making, sent to some of his supporters. He's fixing to start these family, he called them family circles, where he's going to train pastors for each of the family circles, which is life groups. Everything that we teach, he's been receiving. God's redoing in another country what what he's doing right here. Fifty churches and a pastor who's is 100% on board with us. It's happening right now. 
last week on Wednesday, before elders meeting on, on Wednesday night, I got a call from a pastor friend of mine in Denham Springs, who his son comes to our church uh, when he's in town. Uh, he's living somewhere else, somewhere else right now, but he pastors a church, and he, he spoke with me about six months ago and said that the church was declining. They were talking about selling the building, not knowing what to do. And I talked about the fact that this is, you know, the year that God told us, or last year, really, that this was going to be a year that we were going to begin to multiply. We got that word as elders a long time ago. And so we've just been waiting for God to do it. And, uh, and he had another church that was talking to him about possibly making their building up, uh, uh satellite of their location, a Baton Rouge church. And he called me this week and says that they decided not to do it and the elders have decided they're, they're going to sell, the, sell the, the building. They're going to bring it to the church and see if they can sell the building. They have about $325,000 in equity in their building. But they don't want to kill the church yet. They're not getting rid of the church, the people, just the building. Which, from the gathering place perspective, is a beautiful thing. No debt, right? Getting rid of debt. We got $325,000, and they're open to us coming. I'm going tomorrow, so pray for me. I'm going to go tomorrow and meet with, with the pastor and with some of the elders before the day's up. And we're going to talk about a gathering place church in Denham Springs. I think the Lord just opened the door for us. Why now? Because this study is not a random study in the Bible. It is a purposeful and timely study for us. God wants to do here what he did in the book of Acts. I believe at some point there's going to be some major multiplication that happens, like what happened in the book of Acts. But we got a, we got a situation here that's making it slow to happen. But right now what God needs is messengers. Right? Today's message is, are you going to be willing to be sent by God? It may not be across the street, but some of you haven't been there. And I get it. It's hard. We're busy. We've got a lot of stuff going on. But we need to realize that Satan is robbing us of the opportunity for, uh, for our community to be multiplied. Simply because at this point, we don't have messengers that are ready to go. So you got a lesson. you got some points to think through, pray through. Listen, ponder those things this week, okay? Don't let them go. Don't leave them here. Take them home. Think about them. Open your journal every day. Set something on your clock today that says on your phone that makes you look. And read these things again and ask God, what do you want to do in my life in regarding to being a messenger? I'm okay. Listen, I'm okay. And all the elders are okay. And the elders also included in this. If everybody in here next week says, God's leading me to go somewhere else, I'm more than okay. This is what we're about. This is what we're about. It doesn't feel like that sometimes because, again, we're so connected to each other. This is a multiplying church. It's one of our six distinctives is multiplication. Okay? So it's okay. God wants to send you. We want you to go. And we'll do everything we can to prepare you to get you ready to represent when you go and be a leader wherever it is that you go to take the distinctives that God's given to this body and breathe them into some other congregation. All right, I'm going to pray for that, and then we'll worship and close. All right, let's don't. Let's just, we'll just close. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in this church, in this body. God, we are, we, though we're small, we don't see ourselves as insignificant because your spirit is big. Father, the, the smaller we can get uh, in the sense of 
being nobodies, Lord, the more prepared we are for you to be somebody through us. And I know that that's attractive to you. And so, God, we want to be that. So continue to crucify our flesh. Help us to help you. And then, Father, fill us with your spirit. Give us visions, dreams, open doors. God, that, that your name could be known across the world through this little congregation. Change the messengers. Multiply the community. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that will be it for today. Now we've got some announcements to make, and then I'm going to pray over Sam. And uh, I guess we'll pray over Ashley and Levi, too. Well, y'all, will be, y'all will be here in a couple of Sundays. We'll, we'll, pray, we'll make it about Sam today. All right, and then we're going uh, to have our, our lunch meeting in the back. Those of you, I, I'm not sure I was able to get a hold of everybody, so if you're a part of that 28, stick around today, or see me if you can't, because uh, we're going to meet today and flesh out some of the details of that. Um, assistant in the dormitories, right? Resident advisor, okay, sorry. Advisor sounds a lot better than assistant. <laughs> uh, so resident advisor at, uh, at the Gila boarding school for high school students in Galena, Alaska, which is a fly-in only village. It's where our missionaries, the cops are, and we've been, many of you have been up there and helped them. So it's a, it's a really, really great opportunity. Uh, every year, Chris sends me any, any openings that they have. Uh, so others of you, as you pray about being a messenger, that's a, that's a great opportunity. Uh, it's a very cold opportunity, but it's a great opportunity. And all these things we talked about, you know, Sam has just gone through. And so, uh, but he's going to be there and be able to have an influence. What happens is all these small bush villages all over the Yukon territories uh, that have, you know, 10, 15 teenagers in their, in their village, uh, you know, the, they homeschool, but it's, you know, if they don't get the social interaction they, and it's limited in what some of the parents can do, obviously, and some of the parents aren't even uh, educated. And so they've, it's a state-funded school, and the kids can fly in to Galena and board at this boarding school and do high school. So here's what happens. Here's the potential of what happens. This is the vision that Chris has, that those kids from all these different villages come to us and we put people who are believers in the school, like Sam, who get to, get to speak openly about Christ, answer whatever questions these kids want to answer. If they want to go to church, the school has to get them to the, to the church building. And, and so the, they're trying to get as many people who are Christians into this boarding school so that teenagers will be saved and take it back to their villages. So instead of us going to hundreds of little Yukon villages, we go to one. Isn't that cool how God provided that? So that's our missionary that's up there. He is a gathering place missionary. Speaks our language, okay? And so they're going to have another one. That's a gathering place missionary sitting in that school. So I'm excited about that. So we're going to pray for, for Sam because this will be his last Sunday here, right? Yep. So I'm going to have the elders if you come and let's, let's surround Sam. And uh, Sam, you can just stand up there. Come on. Whatever elders are still here. Yeah, we got kids today, huh? Come on, uh, Wes and Melinda. All right, now the rest of y'all, if y'all want to stand up and just kind of gather around, let's go. Touch the person in front of you. (laughs) 
Father, thank you that uh, you have put two examples of what you're doing in this body and what you what your message was about today in this sanctuary today. Part three. And God, I, I just thank you that uh, that Sam has been willing to be obedient to you. I know this, how difficult this has been. We've sweated it out together. We've walked through it uh, a week at a time. Emotions have, have taken him places. And, and yeah, find, Father, we find him at a place today where he is, his obedience is, and his desire to trust you and put his faith in you has risen up above his fears, risen up about, above his doubts and his uh, his plans for his future and Lord he's just going to walk in this with you so God I pray first of all that you would just give him peace continued peace and Father that you would just uh, grow his faith in you that it, it, as you did with Peter when he went that as Sam goes that there would be uh, circumstances waiting for him there that he would be uh, would just see clearly that your Holy Spirit has led him and prepared people for his voice particularly Father, I pray for lives to be transformed uh, in those dorms and around the school and in the church and that community because you sent Sam. Lord, I am so confident that that's going to happen, and I thank you in advance. Lord, you're going to use him and move through him. Father, we just uh, also ask for your your blessings on uh, the position of Chris and the, the church and all the people that will be surrounding him for more servants, God, more messengers to go, and that you would call them out of this congregation, if you so will. God, use use Sam, and protect him, God, and grow him, and, and Father, just uh, unfold this future as he serves you. Most of all, God, just, just help him continue to show yourself to him in a way that causes him to love you more deeply, and that deepens his faith. Bless Wes, Melinda, and Molly. Chris, Saul, as they stay here, uh, Lord, and uh, and pray for him, bring peace to their lives, Lord, and confidence that you that he's in your hands and you know the plans you have for him. We love you in Jesus' name, Amen.